a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Utah Weekly Forum, a public affairs show dedicated to learning more about the issues affecting our lives and health and exploring the resources available in our diverse communities to help. Here's your host, Rebecca Cressman. Well, good morning, or good evening, I guess I should say. Depends on when you're listening, and uh, I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. Uh, We've shared on the air over the last couple of years that I'm a breast cancer survivor, and uh, we've also done a lot of messaging saying, get your mammograms, take care of your health, uh, find free vouchers that can help you get the care and the screening that you need. But for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, uh, this month, we're going to talk about how breast cancer affects us personally, and I'm bringing in two women that I have met who are, I'm going to say, advocates, uh, educators, uh, individuals who, once their life was changed uh, by breast cancer, decided to get involved in the bigger picture. So joining us today is Carla Lloyd. Carla, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. It's lovely to be here, Rebecca. And Thank you, you. You wear a lot of hats. We're going to talk about those hats in just a bit. But also joining us today is Eliza Little. Eliza, thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here as well. Yep. And Eliza's joining us by phone, but I'm turning to both of you because often when we talk about breast cancer, um, I'll bring in individuals who um, might be in charge of research or they might be uh, in charge of a foundation or an organization that provides treatment, but we don't always get to hear the voices of breast cancer survivors. So Carla, how many years has it been since you were diagnosed with breast cancer? Yes, it's been 11 years. Okay, and you were in which age group? I was 55 when I was diagnosed. Okay, and they do say that as we turn 40 and enter uh, our 50s, we're at higher risk of developing breast cancer. Um, so it is. was it a still a surprise for you? It was really a surprise because I'm one of those that was diagnosed false negative. So a year before, I had been told that uh, what the lump was in my breast was a cyst. And having dense breast tissue, as you know, Rebecca, is a real risk factor. And then you add on to that cystic tissue. And so I went about my life for a year under the supervision of a breast specialist, both of us thinking that it it's was just a cyst. Exactly. The tumor, however, was behind the cyst and right next to the rib cage, which is a hard place for a mammogram to detect uh, an abnormality or growth. And so I also had HER2 uh, breast cancer, which, as you know, that is... Um, One of the uh, most aggressive exactly. forms of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So by the time the tumor started hurting, I was stage three. And that was 11 years ago. Yes, I am. 
That is very, very fortunate. Because stages, for those who are new to breast cancer, the, you know, stage one, the breast cancer is still in its original location. Stage two, it's kind of spread to the region around it. Stage three, it's a one region and another region. Stage four, it has entered the bloodstream and is uh, uh, has metastasized into distant sites of the body. And of course, our treatment and our prognosis often is directly uh, uh, connected to the staging. And, and that's... That has to do with uh, why we're gathered this morning uh, to talk about breast cancer. Eliza, um, now we heard Carla sharing that she had a false negative. Will you share with us your uh, experience with breast cancer and, and how old you were when you were diagnosed too? Absolutely. Yeah. So I was diagnosed five years ago. I actually received my official diagnosis just two days after my 35th birthday. So I found the lump when I was 34. And I originally went to my OBGYN, and very similar to Carla, the OBGYN thought for sure it was just a cyst. She said, you're not in the risk group. You're pretty young. Let's watch it. It's probably secular related, you know, related to your cycle. And went home, and I thought, oh, I just don't feel very comfortable with that. And so with me and my personality, I, I really wanted to be safe, not sorry, called her back, said, I don't care what it costs. I want to have some testing done. And even then, the doctor was not ready to do a mammogram. She wanted to do an ultrasound first. So I went and had an ultrasound. They saw suspicious tissue and right then and there did a mammogram and then said, you know what, two days later, we want to do a biopsy. And so that's when they did the biopsy and my OB was pretty shocked. I was the youngest person that she had ever diagnosed, obviously. And needless to say, changed her opinion of what a breast cancer patient could look like. And it, even as you shared that experience, you're saying uh, the the doctor said, we don't need to check this out. You're too young. You should have seen Carla here in the studio shaking her head because here you, you <laughs> both of you had similar experiences where you had lumps in your breast, you were checked by a healthcare provider, which is what we tell people to do. But in both cases, mm-hmm. you were given misinformation um, or um, with the information that the, the healthcare provider had, uh, they weren't able to give you, um, or they chose not to be more um, proactive, shall we say. So, I, so that's part mm-hmm. of this conversation. Because one of the things that we talk about, um, all of us right here, by the way, I should mention, Carla and Eliza and I are all members of a patient advocacy board, I shall say, a research uh, group at Huntsman Cancer Institute. And we give, from the patient perspective, our thoughts and opinions on clinical research that researchers, not just at Huntsman Cancer, but in other locations, are doing on breast cancer and gynecological cancers. Carla is the chair of this committee. And Carla, how long have you been uh, leading the Breast and Gynecological Cancers Research Advocacy Committee? The committee was started six years ago, and uh, it was co-founded by Dr. Alana Welm, who is a breast cancer researcher, and myself. And uh, we started out small with um, just myself uh, as the first research advocate, and then we uh, did some testing to see if the breast and gynecologic cancer 
researchers uh, would be receptive to receiving the patient perspective input on all the different stages of research on studies they were doing. And they were. So from there, we added two more advocates. And now, as you know, Rebecca, we're up to 13. And uh, you are absolutely right. What our group does is that when we are asked, we lend the patient perspectives, our experiences, having gone through treatment to the different re- breast cancer researchers um, when they are needed. And, and and that's important. I'm tying that together because both you and Eliza had an experience that um, could be daunting to other patients who might think, okay, I'm not going to follow up on this. Or even in Eliza's setting where she was, you know, said, don't worry about it. She had that nagging. I don't, I don't feel good about that. And then she makes that choice. I'm going to step forward. So part of what I want to talk about today is that we are the very best advocates for our own health. We are the number one voice for ourselves, And when it comes to breast cancer and, and finding lumps and seeing puckering and seeing changes in your breast, feeling something wrong, you know your body and you need to advocate and be assertive for your body. Now, Eliza, um, you're not only a survivor, you're also someone who's leading a support group for young survivors. Can you tell us a bit about that, Eliza? Yeah, absolutely. So I am somebody who helps run a local support group and also a virtual support group for an organization called Young Survival Coalition. So Young Survival Coalition, or YSC, it's an international organization, focuses on young people who are diagnosed under the age of 40 or around there with breast cancer. So it was actually founded in the late 90s by three young women who were diagnosed with breast cancer and looked around and said, hey, our age group is missing in the support world. And so they created this organization to help because we as young survivors have different needs. We have different issues that we face. And so there is, you know, that that uh, community that is needed. I mean, community is needed in all aspects, but there are other concerns and um and as a woman who was diagnosed in my mid-50s with breast cancer every time i would meet a woman who was diagnosed in her 20s or in her 30s a part of me just weeps because it does change so much of your your body and your psyche and it's a real battle and often when a woman is diagnosed in her younger years that cancer is often more aggressive they've kind of learned those things so eliza as part of what i i know that is is passionate to you is you're telling women no matter what their age is to speak up and go ahead and push like you did so that if someone says to you, you're too young for this to be breast cancer, you were nursing three years ago, it's probably a clogged milk duct, Mm -hmm. uh, follow up. So Eliza, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I found this group originally. I've got a friend of mine. She runs the group out of Salt Lake area. And then I run the in-person group in Utah County. And then I've recently, about a year or so ago, started running the virtual group that connects women all over the nation who don't have in-person groups, or even if they do, they can join that too. And so through meeting all these 
people, which right now we primarily have women, but it's open to everybody because men can get breast cancer too, right? Yes, they can also carry the BRCA gene. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And so through meeting these people all over, I hear a lot of these stories that you're talking about. People who, like you said, they've just had babies. They've got these these lumps and the doctors are saying it's a clogged milk duct or they're saying, hey, you're in your cycle because you're premenopausal. It's secular. It's a cyst or this, that or the other. And I have heard so many stories of people who they, you know, they wait until they're done nursing. And by the time they're done, the cancer has progressed to a point where if they had caught it or if they had intervened earlier, it could have just been stage one or two. Now it's metastatic or it's stage three or or whatnot. And so that's where I not only have so much passion against advocating for yourself, but also educating. There's so many people who don't necessarily know what questions to ask or how to ask or even to, you know, I know to me, medical stuff is such a fun passion. I find it so fascinating. And so, but not everybody does. And some people don't know how to ask, you know, hey, what does this chemo regimen do to me? Or what could be some of those residual effects? Or, hey, I'm experiencing this. I feel really stupid for asking, does anybody else experience this? Because most of the time, a lot of us do. And it's okay to ask. And that's where that support comes in. And that's where having that network and having that self-advocating really helps because you don't have to go through anything alone. And oftentimes by talking and by asking and by, you know, just saying, hey, I'm confused or I'm lost or I have a question or whatever, we learn so much and we can really gain so much knowledge that allows us to be empowered. And I appreciate that. And if there's someone listening right now, And you're wondering how to connect with the Young Survivor Coalition, whether you're in Salt Lake or Utah County. Eliza, what's the best way for someone to find the information uh, so that they can connect with the Young Survivor Coalition? Yeah. So if you go to Young Survival, sorry, YoungSurvival.org, that's one place, or even on Facebook, just type in Young Survival. We've, they've got a great Facebook group, and that will connect you to a local group or even a local or a virtual, a local virtual. How's that? <laughs> a virtual group. Um, so in Utah, we've got a Facebook group as well. It's uh, YSC-Utah, and then I think it has some, some more text there, but you could also look up that on Facebook. One way or another, you will find us and connect with us and you'll be able to meet up in person or virtual, whatever floats your boat, because we would love to have you. Interesting hearing Eliza's perspective, right? And saying, hey, young patients um, face more obstacles often in in finding their cancer. They also in uh, experience things like, um, should I have children? They're recommending, I found out I carry the BRCA gene, and they're saying hysterectomy. Should I be, you know, there's lots of issues that that um, uh, patients in their 20s and 30s. Can we freeze eggs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, that you'd need to know that that is an option. And, and that's where it goes yeah. back to networking. Uh, and, you know, Carla, let's talk a bit about what you've learned in your 11 years. I know you've learned so much because you have been so involved in cancer research. But as a patient and a survivor, what do you um, recommend to women that they should know about breast cancer? 
Certainly. <clears throat> the reason why I got involved with research advocacy is because um, my treatment team of doctors were so committed, dedicated, and hardworking. But these doctors also, because they were in a teaching hospital, were um, responsible for also doing research. And so I just felt that if I made it through, I would give back in some way to these these extremely overextended, hardworking oncologists, radiologists, plastic surgeon, and surgeon. And so um, the first thing that I learned was that there's a lot of research that is going on when these clinicians are seeing patients and training the next generation of doctors. Um, what I've also learned is that um, Eliza hit right on it. You need to ask the questions and get second opinions. When the uh, breast specialist um, said it was a cyst, and, but yet I had this wrinkle on my breast that kept getting deeper. Which is, again, we talk about lumps, but skin puckering and skin um, wrinkling is another s symptom of breast cancer. Go ahead, Carla. Yeah. Yes. Um, I took that to um, my internist. And again, she looked at the mammogram, and she also said it was a cyst. And so I think being aggressive, being your own best advocate, if you don't like that second opinion, then don't be afraid to go and get a third opinion. Um, that would have – that certainly should have been something that I should have done. I also found out that when you have an abnormality uh, of the skin – on your breast, take it to your dermatologist. My dermatologist said that if I had just shown him this at my annual um, skin exam, um, he would have instantly uh, been able to, to recognize it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you know, um, what one thing I've learned is uh, from my experience is that mammograms can find about, is it 98%? Of, of breast cancers, somewhere in there. MRIs find about 99%. Um, but just like the world we live in, it can't always catch everything. Exactly. And so we need to trust that we need to get those screenings mm -hmm. because the, the chances are it is going, going to spot it for us. But we also have to think of ourselves as a tool for caring. So you think, okay, you know, getting my annual checkups with my, with my doctors. Um, the other tool is getting my annual mammogram, right? Another tool is if I have dense breast tissue, um, advocating for myself to get an MRI instead of, a mammogram, um, uh, leaning forward. And I'll say this, you're listening to two powerful women, Eliza Little and Carla Lloyd. Some of us don't feel as assertive or confident. Then partner up, turn to your right. Who do you know in your life who is assertive? Help them, have them help you navigate this. Reach out to a breast cancer network near you. Ask if someone who's a survivor could help you with this. We will help each other. I think yesterday I responded to three different texts from three different breast cancer survivors looking for um, 
advice. And of course, I'm not a practitioner or a doctor, but I can say from my experience, this is what I think you should do. And we don't know what we're entitled to do or not do in healthcare, right? I mean, that's part of our education is not knowing that, hey, I can ask for a second opinion. I can ask for more screening. I can push for this. And yes, you can. Absolutely. Eliza, um, you're a member of the Huntsman Cancer Institute Breast and Gynecological Cancer Advocate Committee with us. Tell us why you got involved in the committee. Yeah, you know, I got involved because I just, I find the medical world, the research world to be so fascinating. I love to learn about it. I love to help people. Um, I love to to advocate for it. I feel like everybody should have somebody, like you just mentioned, in their life who, if you can't advocate for it, then you need to have somebody who can. And I have always wanted to be that person for people. So for me, it was all about wanting to learn as much as I can, soak up all that knowledge, be involved. One day I would love to make that a career, make that my my life mission, if you would, fill in the blank with whatever phrase you want to use. And so when I was approached to be on the committee, I was just overjoyed. I, I jokingly joke with everybody that I was asked to be on it to bring down the median age. And that's just my, my funny joke, you know. <laughs> um, but I do, but in all seriousness, I do think it's fun to bring a young perspective to it. And now as our committee has grown, we've gotten a lot of, you know, some more young survivors on there, which is so much fun um, because it is, it's a whole different world. And it's fun for me to get to be with long-term survivors and get to see their perspective and get to have that hope. I mean, I'm only five years out. And when I joined, I was only a few years out. I think I've, I mean, Carla could probably tell me how long I think, but I think I've been on it. I think I was only a year or two out at that point. Yes, and that's right. And it was so right. much fun to, yeah, because I think mm-hmm. it's, it's so much fun to sit there and look at these women who have been on, who have been in, you know, in their journey for 20 plus years. And to yeah. see that as somebody who had only been there a few years was so cool as well. Well, and, and it, so this, that was really got me and it, in this committee, not only do we hear monthly from researchers uh, about breast cancer and gather uh, that and give our perspective, but we're also invited to attend conferences and uh, special events that are talking about research. And that is great. But we also got together as a um, casual group at Carla's house for barbecue. And the reason why I'm going to share this is Eliza saying it was important for me to meet people who are further down the line, who've survived a long time. Um, one of our new committee members was saying, you know, I'm kind of scared because, you know, um, I, I'm worried that I'm going to be stage four soon. And one of our committee members pivoted and turned to her and said, I'm stage four. I've been stage four for over 10 years. I'm doing great. Just taking my medicine. We, there's new hope. There's new treatments. So we, we can do this. And I just thought, ah, oh, what a gift for that woman to hear who's just finishing chemo and and going through the fear and the trauma that you go through when you're diagnosed with cancer it is traumatic and it's so cool too to be part of the group that gets to be involved in those life-changing things as well you know i mean we are not necessarily i mean we're not the researchers we're not the ones making the groundbreaking discoveries but we get to hear them and i find that to be so invigorating and so 
you know, it fills me with a lot of hope to get to hear that research and to get to hear that and be like, oh, my gosh, there's so much excitement out there. And it makes me so hopeful in that world. Right. And Carla, um, I, I know that this resonates resonates with you, too. And you did a beautiful job saying people sometimes when they give to uh, organizations uh, for cancer research, they don't see it happening. And what Carla and we've seen is there's a building, just even looking at Huntsman Cancer Institute, there is a building. And inside that building are labs. And inside those labs are grad students, PhD students, a master's students. And each one of them are in these pods interconnecting with other university labs across uh, the country and around the world. And they're hours, 12 hours a day because they are trying to find a cure, trying to stop this. And I'm sure, Carla, that invigorates you as well. It sure does. Um, I'm an advocate in science for the Susan G. Komen Foundation, and I just returned on Sunday from a five-day symposium uh, called Lynn Sage. And if we circle back just to one of the topics we've talked about um, today, and that is mammography, well, well, there was a Memorial Sloan Kettering a radiologist who has found that mammography with contrast is superior in terms of imaging. And so here you have, like Eliza is saying, you're sitting in with these brilliant minds, like we have the privilege of doing every month up at Huntsman, and they keep chipping away, and eventually what we get is better diagnosis, prognosis, treatment, um, surgical procedures. Yes. And, and yeah, it has a direct connection to the next person next month. So we have just a couple of minutes together uh, left. And I just want a closing thought from each of you for a minute. And I'm going to leave my thought to you. Um, and that is, um, don't be too busy to save your life. Because if you take the time to get the screenings, to get the mammogram, to get the lump taken care of or checked out aggressively, um, you could be finding that breast cancer in the earliest stages. So when you hear us say, uh, you know, a survival of 97%, 98%, the early stages give you that. If you postpone that you are possibly reducing your life quality and lifespan. So make your life uh, as important as anything else that you're doing in a day-to-day and get the screenings and don't postpone them. Carla, what about you? I totally agree with that advice. Um, I also think that the later stage your cancer is, the more um, treatment you will require and these treatments come with toxicities and side effects. And so, um, for example, um, I incurred neuropathy uh, in my toes, fell twice, and needed to go to the emergency room once with a concussion, another time with for four stitches. And then I also had lymphedema, which required aggressive physical therapy treatment. So you're... I, absolutely concur with you. Catch up sooner uh, at an earlier stage and you will avoid uh, having to have 
as much treatment and surgical procedures as I did. Mm. And your loved ones are depending on you to do this as well. Eliza, what are some of your closing thoughts? You know, I echo everything that you guys are saying there. You know your body best. Mm -hmm. Advocate for yourself. Push it. I think also the one thing that I will add is it's not a taboo subject. Don't be afraid. I think in today's world, we feel like things are off limits. And of course, there are things that are, but breasts don't need to be one of them. (laughs) Um, Now, I'm not telling you to go and Instagram your breasts all over the place, but do talk about things. You know, don't be afraid to raise advocacy, raise awareness. There's a great company or organization, again, I should say, called Know Your Lemons. They have a wonderful way of talking about the things, the signs of breast cancer in the way of lemons. So if you're not sure if something is possibly a breast cancer symptom, go to Know Your Lemons. They have pictures of different lemons. They'll show you this lump, this vein, this sunken nipple, and you can look at it without having to look at a breast itself. So take a look at things like that. It takes the uncomfortableness out of it, and it's not a taboo thing. There are ways to look and reach out, look for support. There's no stupid question. Eliza Little of the Young Survival Coalition in Utah County, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I love it. I hope to talk to you all again real soon. Uh, Also joining us today, retired professor, I should have said, uh, Carla Lloyd, who is now donating her time with Huntsman Cancer Institute. It's the Breast and Gynecologic Cancers Research Advocate Committee. Thank you so much for the time you give. And thank you so much for this opportunity to recognize Breast Cancer Month and spend this time with you and Eliza. And thank you for the time the two of you donate to our committee and our cause to give our patient perspectives to the good researchers up at Huntsman. And let's find a cure for cancer together. Utah Weekly Forum is produced by KSFI FM 100.3 in Salt Lake City, a Bonneville International Station. Subscribe to the Utah Weekly Forum podcast online and email us at Rebecca at FM100.com. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.